Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hello, my name is Simon Miller from What Culture Wrestling, and you are listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast, and you better keep listening to it. Why? Here's why. You're listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast, a sample of the best pro wrestling podcasts we can produce on our tiny budget. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, CastBox, and all other podcast platforms. If it's wrestling you want, check out more of our great content at podmania.co.uk. Let's do this. Welcome to another episode of the Pod Mania Podcast, the Wrestling Classic, the podcast where we take three matches that we all want to watch and then we review them and give them our infamous star ratings. Uh, this week, we have got a TNA match, a New Japan match, and a WCW Classic. But we'll start, Garth Jackson. <laughs> what was your Local match, hero. my friend? <laughs> It was. <laughs> it was the icon Sting versus the Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle, Bound for Glory, two thousand seven. Okay, now it's really did... good. Okay, did you get that in before <laughs> me and Chris pile on? Okay, yes. now Garth, before yes. Chris or me interrupt you, why did you choose this match? Because I enjoyed it. I, I remember liking it, and, I, and uh, to double-check that it wasn't a shit stinker, I, I went back and I wrote, uh, read reviews, and also it appears in uh, the top ten of Kurt Angle's best matches. So From who? In a couple of the websites I found, and they all loved it. This is confirmation <laughs> bias at its, at its peak. Right. So, and, like I say, I remember it from the time and I really enjoyed it. Okay. I wasn't even watching wrestling at this point, I don't think. Oh, no, I was. I just wasn't watching TNA yet. Okay. Were you even born? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that young, Rob. Um, Chris, give me your yes. opinion on this match. Ooh. For, okay. So, rem- <laughs> remember when we were rec- reviewing... It was Cody versus someone. Abushi. And then we pointed out that when... Cody is in control, it's boring, but when Ibushi is in control, it's really exciting. It was like that when Angle was in control, like it was cool, it was like either really scientific or a high spot, and it was awesome. Or you have Sting, who can't fucking move. And like, like all the big spots were sort of botched. Like, um, there was meant to be a bit where Sting caught the bat, but he caught it with his fucking face. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a stinker. Fair enough. Yeah, like there were some there were good points, like the belly to belly off of the top rope, which yeah, that was fun. Um, J- Angle's really good at German suplexes. Sting's really good at being thrown about by Angle. <laughs> um, but like it just sort of shows that 
Dixie is a f- Carter was a fucking sting mark because like he didn't need to win this like at all. I'll agree with that. I don't think he needed to win it, but the Kevin thing is, Nash. it was Kevin it was Nash retrib- to be there. It was retribution because of the story leading up to it. But give retribution to someone who fucking because <laughs> Kurt Angle had fucking um, sort of attacked Sting's son. <laughs> yeah, was this the same? Um... Show that had um, Pac-Man Jones on it. Um, not sure. I don't think so. I don't know. No, I didn't I watch didn't... the whole thing again. I just watched <laughs> this one. So better than Rob who's been watching WrestleMania 13. <laughs> <laughs> Full review on site soon. Um... It's weird though. Like I saw like a bit of a build-up like beforehand, and I'm still looking at it going, yeah, you can kind of see where Karen Angle left Kurt. <laughs> Oh, the thing is, Kurt was in really good shape at this point. Yeah, he was. Like, he was still, like, he was, like don't go wrong, like, from interviews, he was definitely still addicted to painkillers, but he hadn't quite fucked him yet, so. Like, <laughs> where he now has, like, a weird permanent smile. And a neck that's wider than his chest. <laughs> it's, it's like rhino, it's like rhino's neck on a normal body. It was the one thing my girlfriend picked up on WrestleMania 35 was, Jesus Christ, how big's his neck? Um, which yeah. you know goes to show how much she was watching WrestleMania 35. Um, for me, this is the worst date night. <laughs> you said you'd take me to watch something. It's a spectacle, <laughs> isn't it? I, um, t- I took you to this couch to watch. This. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag boyfriend points. Um, so yeah, this show or this match, I should say. Um, for me, I agree very much with Chris in the fact that when Sting was in control, it lost a lot of its pacing. When Angle was in control, it was, you know, it wasn't exciting, but there was more invigorated spots. You know, you've got stuff coming off the top ropes. You've got the ridiculous amount of suplexes and things like that. You've got the counters from Kurt Angle. It seemed a more cohesive match when Angle was in charge. What ruined that was the interference. You've got a very arthritic Kevin Nash attempting to throw the worst punches I've ever seen, followed by the worst knees in the corner I've ever seen. You'd got a nonsensical Karen Angle interference as well, only for Sting to overcome all that and win after a Scorpion death drop. Now, that I don't mind in itself. It's just that, you know, and bear in mind, Sting was getting on a bit at this point. And I understand Dixie Carter... 48 or 49 at the time? Yeah, he was pushing 50 at this point, and this was in 2007. As for the thing that you said, Chris, about um, Dixie Carter being a Sting mark, Bound for Glory is Impact's biggest show. You know, you yeah. want names that draw, and Kurt Angle versus Sting is a feud that's going to draw. No matter how much wrestling you watch, how much you know you like or dip into the product, you know Kurt Angle, you know Sting. That is a big money match. So that isn't necessarily the issue here. I don't mind that Sting won. It was just for three quarters of this match, it was almost a come on, let's just get to the end, hurry up. And then the ending seemed a bit overbooked. It wasn't the worst match by any stretch of the imagination, but I have certainly seen a lot better Kurt Angle matches, and I have definitely seen a lot better Sting matches. I would definitely say this isn't the worst thing we've had on here, because we've had Macho Man versus Hogan. But... (laughs) I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it had... Again, watching the video package again, and remembering about it that the story was quite important to it but then I think for Sting at his age this was one of his 
other than his sort of early 2000s, late 90s matches in WCW, this was the best stuff he'd done since then. And Angle was probably at his peak at this moment. Sort of like physical. Um, I just really enjoyed it. I thought that it started really well. Like Angle sort of scouting out Sting. Um, Kurt did a lot of sort of power moves. Um, I love the bit where he turned the sort of ankle lock into the Scorpion Deathlock. Um, the Karen Angle and Kevin Nash completely took the momentum away from it. That was the worst part. Uh, it just them coming out, and then you think, oh, you fucking know where this is going now. Uh, there was one point where Kurt did this fucking terrible 350 off the top rope sort of knee drop. No, fucking, well, I, I think he was actually going for a 450. But he was, Sting, but he, but Sting was far too close to him. And, like, he sort of just landed on Sting with his knees. That must yeah. have hurt. That must have really fucking hurt. Like, Jesus um, fuck. Uh, I just enjoyed it. I, lo- I enjoyed the, uh, the, um, the baseball bat shots at the end because they were stiff as fuck. Um, they were. They were. I just I don't know. I enjoyed it. And the thing is, like, this was sort of the beats for most of their matches what that they had in TNA, but you could tell this, they really enjoyed working together. And Sting, at this point, really didn't sort of move like that for many people in the matches he did. It's, most of his matches were just punch, 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 Scorpion death drop. So That's, I think you just described most Sting matches. Yeah, most well, like '98. I mean, I look like looking it up. I forgot how old Sting was at this point. He pretty. I mean, he's basically the age Kurt is now, and Kurt can barely even move his head. Yeah, but like Sting has let, got all his drug stuff out of the way like five years before this. So yeah, true. But no, I, I enjoyed it, so, yeah. What are your ratings? Like, <laughs> here's the thing. If they didn't fuck up a lot of the high spots, it would be higher. But the fact that Sting couldn't... Sting caught a bat with his face. And and but, um, Sting was too close to Angle for Angle to be able to get full rotation of a 450. I kind of have to give it, like, a 4. I did what? not enjoy this too much. Disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to give it a 6. Um, just, I don't think it was low enough for a four. It was still, it was if, still. If a it wasn't so botchy, if it wasn't so botchy at, unlike important points, it would be a six. I'm just, I think, looking, you know, I don't think it's as good as Garth's making out. I think the interference was horrific. I think Sting's almost lack of mobility made this very much a Kurt Angle. Let's try and carry Sting job, which you know it is ultimately isn't his job, but. I don't know. I it wasn't. I didn't feel excited for this match like I usually feel excited for Kurt Angle matches, and that's brought it down for me. Garth, I enjoyed it. I'll give it an eight because I really enjoyed it. <laughs> for fuck's sake. Well, 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 well. Rob's the cheaper median here, so let's just go with Rob. Well, let's have a look. Let's just see what the average would be. Let's do maths. So this must be the most polarizing match I've had yet. Uh, well, yeah. do you think? But like three of these have just been me, you and me, Garth. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's six is uh, is the rating for this one because that is actually what the average is. <laughs> um, so six stars for Kurt Angle and Sting. 
So, I think because Chris has had so much negative to say about Garth's match that it's only fair we then jump to Chris O'Brien's match. Hi, Chris. How are you? Hello. Um, are you wearing the right trousers now, or are we still in... I mean, you did you hear a zip go down between the recording? <laughs> <laughs> um, we move on to your match. Uh, would you like to tell the lovely people at home what you've chosen and why you've chosen it? Who great task gave us is Liger because Bob is Ligerless. So, but I well I did a few weeks ago, but it's just out. Um, but I watched a lot of Liger matches, and this is probably my favorite among the bunch, apart from the PWG match. But like, I think I'd get shouted out if I picked that one. So, because like, I don't know how Gaff would react to a bunch of like future champions with thumbs up each other's bumps and then the rotation well. and then the slow motion, like maybe me in an incognito browser but um anyway so yeah and i love this and i thought garth would be into this but apparently he's not he can fuck off and <laughs> like, okay so this is this is from the super jacob which is one of like his biggest accomplishments because he managed um in a something he put together to sell out sumo hall which for junior is very hard to do like you saw it the most recent um, NJBW Jacob because you know Rev Pro recently took that up because they need to steal New Japan shit every year somehow and um, like they couldn't do it you could see like openly open um, empty bleachers with people leaving and like the first two Jacobs like the one for New Japan and then the one for War which stands for Wrestling and Romance great fucking name um, <laughs> pr- produced amazing matches and this is Probably the highest rated among the other two, uh, among the two of them, apart from like Chris Benoit and Jericho, but we, yeah, no. And <laughs> like, so, okay, so like, what I like about this is that like it wasn't pretty, it felt like two people, like at the beginning, they were really like sort of jostling for any piece of for any advantage they can get. And then when they started doing the flippy shit, it looked like flippy shit that hurt the opponent as much as it hurt the person doing the flippy shit, which is something that's lost a lot in flippy shit. Cough, cough, flip God and fuck off. Um, and just, it was great. And Sasuke, like, he's not the best. Like, you saw him almost neck himself and Liger on Hurricane Ranas, but it sort of added to that to that roughness in this match. And just, it was great. And I love it. Read my Liger list. Um... <laughs> I enjoyed the brutality of this match. I enjoyed... Sasuke was obviously the high flyer of the the match. Um, His Mm -hmm. leap over the turnbuckle, over the actual ring post, was insane. Um, Liger's brutality came very much from his submissions, which always looked like they absolutely wrecked, especially that one early on when he really had it cinched in and the way Mm -hmm. Sasuke's body was was contorted was absolutely horrific. Um, you never see that in men's matches. You only ever see so like contorted, but there's bodies in like um, Joshi matches. Yeah, this this was it was it was far more brutal than the average junior match. It wasn't just your mm. flippy shit. Like you say, flippy shit tends to sort of lose some of the brutality, and this didn't because obviously you had two very contrasting styles. You had Liger, who was very much a a submission based wrestler, a technical based wrestler, and Suzuki, who was very much a high flyer. Um, most of his high-flying stuff came off. The The ending sequence was just absolutely abhorrent. It was just the worst <laughs> thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, Sasuke goes up onto the top rope to go for presumably a Hurricane Rana and completely fucks it. Just no, let's, think, 
the fact that Liger immediately just didn't try and save it and was just like, well done. It sort of added to the whole um, Warriors in the middle of an intense battle thing, but also playing to the crowd. I liked it. Yeah, I th- absolutely. I, like- I think Liger covers it well. It's not. Call, it's not as bad as in like out, most TNA main you events. You were calling we, out the botches in that last one. This is fucking worse. Than they, this had one now. botch, Gaff, and it didn't result in fucking someone getting down near a concussion <laughs> or a broken neck. Chris, Chris, it was a shocking botch. Like it's it's not bad. It's not as bad as fucking anything about last match, right? <laughs> none of the botches in the TNA <laughs> match. None of the ma- None of the botches in the TNA match were as glaring as this botch. Basically, what happens, ladies and gentlemen, got Sasuke, in the face with a fucking baseball bat. Sasuke slips on the rope and just falls. Just falls. I think falls. It, add, it, it added to fatigue. That was being, <laughs> it, it did slightly play into the story. No, it didn't. Um, it kind of did. No, it didn't. So, anyway, it, luckily, Liger, being the professional that he is, he covers it and sort of makes out like it's the fatigue, which is, you know, all on Liger, fantastic. And then, out of nowhere, Sasuke catches him with a Hurricane Rana, pins him. Even that is a bit botchy. Um, oh, yeah, I did say earlier, Sasuke's never been the best, but, like, I think it's meant to look like that. It's, I know it's weird to say, but all his Hurricane Rana's look like that, and no one ever complained look, about him being uh, dangerous. It brutal. It, it, <laughs> it did. Like, it's sort of like when you see someone take a poison Rana. I think it's one of those moves that looks more dangerous than it actually is. Yeah. It's st- it looked rough around the edges, but it still it still looked botchy. You got that and... with a lot of Michinoka Pro guys, though. Yeah, it's even so, Chris. It was it was a botchy fit. It was a great match to go, you know, up until that point. And, you know, I was really into the match. I was really, you know, I was pulling for Sasuke. As the crowd were, the crowd were nuclear. Absolutely nuclear oh, yeah. throughout this. If, and when you consider... If someone ever says to me again that Japanese crowds are fucking quiet and dead, I'm going to punch them. I so... mean, when you consider this was 1994 and this was all on one show, this entire tournament took place on one show. So they'd seen mm-hmm. a lot of fucking wrestling. And they were still nuclear for both of these guys, especially was, Sasuke. Was this face versus face? Um, depending on your allegiance, really. It was sort of like a big, like, multi-promotional... I just thought, like, it seemed... Uh, obviously, it, it wasn't, because I don't think Liger ever has been really heel. But it seemed like the crowd were much more against Liger. They were booing some of his stuff, and they were really, really cheering, like, the Sasuke stuff. And, like, I don't know, it felt a bit weird, like, because obviously you used to everyone absolutely go mental for Liger. It's just quite good. It's quite a good dynamic. Um, just for quick background, um, Sasuke did reach the finals of the J-Cup to face um, Wild Pegasus, who, like, went, never went on to be anything, really. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> um <laughs> Oh god, yeah, cover that well. Um, so it, it was. I enjoyed them. Um, I enjoyed of all of it. I enjoyed Liger's work on the arm and Sasuke's selling of the arm. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, selling not something you normally see in a junior. Exactly. Um, I love the brutal dro- uh, double drop kick off the top. Well, I think it was Liger on the top wall. Yeah. Also, to punctuate your point, Garth, uh, not Garth, um, Rob, we're seeing a lot of matches. This was for 12th match in. Fucking hell. Yeah. So, it was it was a ridiculous amount of wrestling for a crowd to see, but they were still nuking. I think that's testament to just how over both these men were. Yeah, it does help that a lot of the matches before <clears throat> this were shot. Like, nothing exceeded 12 minutes. 
probably the best way. Yeah. There was um, there was a point in this where um, Liger did the sort of wheel kick. I, I legit thought he'd knocked out. Oh yeah, so, like, so scared again. Look this how stiff these people can work. By the way, like he was generally out. Uh, okay, um, Rob, you'll never guess who um, Wild Pegasus knocked out in the semi-final. Oh no, I do know this. Oh fuck, I I looked at the. Oh, who was it? Um, no, no, someone. Oh fuck, go on. Someone current. Kind of. <laughs> Wasn't Taka Mishinoku, Was it? No. It was he Gado. Was Gado, that's right. But didn't Gado get to the final in the '95 one? I don't know. Was it? No, it can't have been. I'll look that up now while you guys keep talking. Um. So, Garth. Yep. Star rating. I give this a solid seven out of ten. Solid seven. I didn't, yeah, I enjoyed it. I'd give it an eight. I was. I was fully engrossed in the entire match. I thought the dynamic between the submission-based wrestler and the high flyer, and like say Sasuke's selling was absolutely brilliant. I thought Liger was ridiculously brutal in this match, um, but the ending really spoiled it for me because I just yeah. I couldn't be invested. And yeah, you can argue that it was Sasuke's tiredness, and yes, you can argue it was supposed to be part of the match. It wasn't. It was a botch. No, I'm not um, saying it wasn't supposed to be part of the match. I'm saying they did well in make, incorporating it into being part of the I match. I think if it had been earlier in the match, it wouldn't have been as troublesome. But it was the finish, and that sticks. Yeah. yeah and also, Rob, you're right. It was Liger versus Gado in the fi- finals of the 95 shake-up. Gado defeating Wild Pegasus again. Yeah, cool. and then Liger went on to win the 95 one, didn't he? Um, yeah. Um, to be fair, I should have picked the Ultimate Dragon match in... Oh, I'm very surprised no. you didn't pit the Ultimo Dragon one, to be fair. It, 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 it is in retrospect better, but I thought Garth would enjoy the brutality in this one. Um, you, know, this is my, you know what this reminds me of is Dunn versus Bait at TakeOver, where it's like the flashy stuff didn't really start happening to midway through the match, and when the flashy stuff started happening, they used the flashy stuff to try and play into false finishes as opposed to just finisher, 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 finisher. Yeah, absolutely. This is something I miss in today's junior mess wrestling, and you saw this a lot of the two, Jake. Like, if you ever find the time, they are fucking long reads, uh, reads, long watches, and you have to, like, dig them out. Actually, the war one is on YouTube, but, like, New Japan don't have the full 94 one on New Japan World because, you know, they don't know how to fucking run a streaming service. <laughs> um, but I definitely recommend these two events in film. They're fucking great. Like I say, I'd give it an eight. Chris? I'd... I'd go. I'd go nine. I, I think I'm gonna have to concede an eight, just because Garth rated it so low. But, but again, so it's been median. <laughs> I'm gonna go eight. I, yeah, I think overall that averages out an eight. I think an eight's fair rating. Um, it was a good match. Really good match. Really enjoyable. Wasn't too long. I think it went about eighteen minutes. Um, it was eighteen minutes. Yeah. It's on Daily Motion in full. Go and check it out. Really good. Is that a YouTube one, Phil? Is it? Ah. Uh, Checked yeah. out on Daily Motion. Um, we then moved on to my pick. Now, my pick, I wanted to do something different. Um, so I went for something from WCW. Um, I'm a massive fan of trilogies. Really, really enjoy a good trilogy. Um, Kenny Omega Ricardo, I really enjoyed the Tyler Bate Pete Dunn trilogy. Um, and this is one of, if not the greatest trilogy in wrestling. Um, Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat. Now, this trilogy um, was all rated five stars by Dave Meltzer. 
Um, and this was the first of those matches. Uh, this was at the Chi-Town Rumble 1989 for Ric Flair's NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Now, I've always wanted to watch these matches. I've never had chance to. And I thought, since we've created this whole segment, this whole podcast, I thought, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna have a look at it. Um, and I don't regret it, to be perfectly honest. 1980s Ric Flair is just the absolute best. Um, just everything he does is absolutely brilliant. The crowd, a 1980s crowd, were absolutely ridiculously behind Steamboat. There was nothing flashy in this match. Nothing at all. There couldn't be a more different match from the Ricky Steamboat, um, Randy Savage match from WrestleMania 3. There couldn't be a more different match. This was chops, selling, and a couple of suplexes. That was it. And it still had me hooked for the entire time. That's testament to these two wrestlers. And Ric Flair especially. And I think Steamboat sometimes gets lost in this. And certainly gets lost when people talk about the greatest wrestlers. Which is a shame because, because he is... W- an, w- it's because WWE have buried him. It's because they didn't know how to book him. That's why. Um, you know what I loved about this? And they were trying to play off... like Because this obviously happened like as soon as Steamboat returned from WWE. Yeah. We're trying to play off, oh, he's retired. He was retired for three years. It's like, mm-hmm. who the fuck are you feeling? Yeah. Well, do- there's no one worse for that than WWE. When Mickey James returned and they said she's, you know, she's going to have a little bit of ring rush. She hasn't been in the ring. She was at, what? What are you talking about? She was at TNA. She was wrestling in ICW like six months before. I know, it was ridiculous. But, you know, WWE are the worst for that. Also, so we like, can scare um, that. How, how, I can't say his name, which is weird because I do the Japanese shit. Um, Matsuda at ringside does him going, oh, it's the evil man from the Orient. I'm like, eh, bad. <laughs> bad. Yeah. That's, that's something I do miss about <laughs> 80s wrestling is just describing Japan as the Orient. Um, I think you forget sometimes as well that Ric Flair was relatively quick in the ring. I mean, I know oh, he yeah, was like, with Ricky uh, Steamboat. The going over the top, then going back up for a crossbody. That's really that was amazing. It was yeah. that's exactly the spot I was going to talk about. I mean, with with Ric Flair still being quite prevalent in wrestling today, he might not be wrestling, but even so, you know, you forget sometimes that he, you know, he was quick in the ring. You know, he didn't necessarily have the speed of you know of a Ricky Steamboat, but he could still keep up with them. Um, you know, even running the ropes and stuff like that, especially that first seg- that first sort of five minutes where they were running the ropes and proper hitting each other, that was really, really quick. What I, what I loved there was um, Ric Flair doing the drop down and Steam just get him in the headlock. <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> instead, brilliant. Instead of, jump, instead of running over him. <laughs> really outthought him. Really outthought him. Um, Chris, what did you think of this match? Because I know you hadn't long watched it when we came on air. No, I'd watched it like 10 minutes. Well, it was going to be 10 minutes, but then, you know, delays happened. Um, about 20, 30 minutes before we came on there. And yeah, it was actually really, like, I expected it to be one of those ones, like, oh, I was going to end up not aging. I'm going to give it a five and everyone's going to hate me. But, like, no, this was, like, this is kind of like the done Walter match from a few weeks ago. Where it was, like, nothing flashy, just great stuff. I don't think it's quite as good as that, but, like, it's with the times. Like, I can see why this is considered one of the best of all time. I'm really happy you didn't pick one of the hour-long draws. Because um, <laughs> otherwise, I would I will have picked some of the fucking all Japan in the 90s, despite you. But, yeah, this was really good. Um, with modern sensibilities, I can't quite put it up there, but for, like, for the time, I can imagine why this was so 
big. Like the finish coming out of nowhere, that was really fun. Opened it opened it up for a rematch. Um yeah, it was fine. It was good. I liked it. <laughs> Goth? I really enjoyed it. I just <clears throat> it just You were alive, weren't you, Goth? Uh, I was alive. I was mm, you were nine there years old. Live, I said. Oh, I was there live. I wish. Um, <laughs> it was. It's matches like this where I think, and I'm I'm not be surprised if the likes of um, like Robbie Brookside and that don't show people at the performance center matches like this and say, look, you don't even have to do anything. You can still work a crowd. But probably um, this was done when people thought wrestling was real. Because like Steamboat teased jumping over the rope. And the crowd added up. Whereas nowadays it would be a tope out back into the ring, another one, and the crowd just play, yeah, whatever. It's but the drama that was behind all of that was sort of what are these guys willing to do to sort of get one over on each other? And I just loved that whole one upmanship. I just like even the people say, Oh, the headlocks are dull, but I thought that the story that was telling that was Steamboat wouldn't let go and Flair was getting really agitated because he couldn't best Steamboat. Um, just really good. Really slow, like methodical approach by Steamboat who could go and he could sort of do all the sort of flying stuff. But he just grounded Flair. Really, really enjoyed it. The chops were fucking brutal. They were. They were. They um, echoed around the arena. And now what was really great as well, the commentary, the, the selling of the whole event. Some, some, oh. some, some of it was pretty funny. It's just the selling of the fact that that sold the evil man from the Orient. Yeah, yeah. How they sold so many tickets in the backgrounds and mm. um, just making it feel like a big deal, like a big event. And like you say, that bit where Flair flips over the corner, the the HBK ripped off, um, runs along the turnbuckle, sort of does a crossbody sort of thing. That was really good fun. Um, I just yeah, I just like it all. That, um, you can see a million spots in this match where people then nicked. Oh, I had loads of them. I like, the rolling through the crossbody. Yeah. Um, I just, I loved, I loved the bit where, in the ring awareness of Flair, when he's been pinned at the side, and he doesn't even have to look where the rope is, he just puts his leg up. It's so seamless for him. So, so, yeah, like, so, so seamless, and it was just, nowadays, and again, it's going back to that, you can see them, you can see them looking at the ref, but you can see them looking to where the rope is to put the foot on. And I think it's little tiny things like that that just make these matches. Flair has very, very solid fundamental fundamentals. That's something I do like about old school, like NWA, WCW, so we do have that. And this is sort of why I just don't like old school WWF, because they don't really have that. Yeah. I just I just really, I didn't really enjoy it. This is definitely the best match of its era that we've seen on wrestling classic so far oh yeah 100 percent. oh yeah definitely well considering like we've only ha- really had hogan matches from this era so far <laughs> like like not to keep ragging on him but he's not flair and he's not steamboat shock of the day True. chris doesn't like hogan um <laughs> he's a cunt garth yes star rating eight out of ten i'm in total agreement same here, actually. This is the first. Fantastic. So, just to go back, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Kurt Angle versus Sting from Bound for Glory 2007. Six stars, and it's yeah. lucky to get that. Um, like this, the Great it. Sasuke from the Super J Cup 1994. Eight stars. Also, oh, very quickly, you know who was in the 95 um, 
Jacob was um, Kung Fu Naki. Kung Fu Naki, baby. Um, <laughs> can, can we also just take a moment to appreciate that something that I wanted to know about the Liger Great Sasuke match? I think every single referee should be made to wear a red sweater vest. Um, because that was red shoes, right? No. no Honestly, that ref looked incredible. The referee shirt with the red sweater vest over the top. Oh, my God. And then Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat uh, from the Chi-Town Rumble 1989. Eight stars as well. Um, obviously, going back then, Flair, uh, sorry, Steamboat won the championship, and this would be the first in the trilogy. Um, Steamboat would retain in their second encounter before Ric Flair eventually won it back in the third and final encounter. Something that something that WWE seemed to gloss over very, very quickly. That uh, Steamboat was the NWA champion. Yeah, and to be perfectly honest, he's a damn good wrestler. They seem to think that he was only in one match in his entire career, and that was WrestleMania 3. That was the only match. Yeah. The only match. But what about the... No, Sad. only match. But what about <laughs> that? No, only match. What about a Jericho match? No, 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 only ago? match. <laughs> no, we do only bring match. up a Jericho match. Yeah, they or do. Or not anymore. They do. Well, yeah, not anymore. Jericho is a taboo word. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we've got a bit of a theme next week. With Kurt Angle officially having retired from WWE and from all wrestling, hopefully for his own safety, um, we've decided <laughs> that we're going to do... <laughs> we're doing a little bit of a Kurt Angle retrospective next week, picking the best matches of Kurt Angle. Now, I think we're all picking three different companies, which is going to be interesting, depending on what Chris actually plumps for, because at the start of the podcast, he hadn't chosen. Um, <laughs> so I'll go first. Next week, for me, we're going to look at Kurt Angle versus Brock Lesnar from, uh, from WrestleMania um, 19. It was between that and the Iron Man match from SmackDown, but I thought we haven't got enough time to watch an hour's worth of SmackDown. So... <laughs> Uh, Angle versus Brock from Mania 19, which of course infamous for Brock's incredible shooting star press and the fact that <laughs> Kurt Angle headlined WrestleMania with a broken neck. The man is a hero. You, you, for, you forgot a word. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and Brock tried his best to break his own neck. He did, yes. Brock just wanted like, to be like Angle so this, much. Both men <laughs> left this match injured. Fuck, we're, still, we're talking about it already. <laughs> um, yeah. Garth, who are you going for? I was torn between um, two matches from the TNA era uh, against two all-time TNA legends. Um, so I put it Curry to Man the... and Shark Boy. <laughs> hey, I love Curry Man. He was brilliant. Um, the Spice Rack is the best move name <laughs> ever. <laughs> so, what, kind, what kind of curry is Curry Man? Uh, Japanese curry, I think. Japanese curry. Japanese. <laughs> to be fair, so is Yano now just selling Curry Man's remains? <laughs> curry Man, what a what a legend. Um, so I was torn between two matches, so I put it to the, the community. Uh, so it was out on Facebook, and the votes are in, and by a landslide, it was Samoa Joe at Final Resolution 2007. Oh man, I've wanted to get back because I can't be fucked with a nine-man match. <laughs> it's only half an hour. I don't have. Um, much. Oh man. And it it defeated um, the match against AJ Styles at Hard Justice 2008, which like, was another really really good match. Um, but 
more joy in everybody's life can only be a good thing. Absolutely, 100%. Um, Chris, what did you end up plumping for? Oh, shit, I still haven't decided. Um, <laughs> Gaff, pick a number. Fuck's sake. Between um, one and two. Between one and two. Between <laughs> one and two. So 1.5. One <laughs> okay, pick a, just pick a number. Two. Okay. Um, in that case, it's using Nagata versus Kurt Angle at um, Global Impact. But technically, Wrestle Kingdom, whatever. I can't remember what number. Isn't it Global Wrestle Impact. Kingdom 3? Yeah. Okay, so basically, Gaff, TNA did not, does not respect other companies and it's shitty overall. And for, you know what, we're going to take Wrestle Kingdom and just say we did it. That's fair enough. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's fucking not. I love that. That's fair enough. That's like, that's like about the beginning of the, um, of the podcast um, about, about I wasn't on. I just dub over Rob Sample like, hello, hello, hello. I am your host, Chris. <laughs> so when was this from? Um, 2007. So it's the same era. Yeah, same era, but different, different I was, company. I was actually very, very tempted to go with the match against Shane. I was very, I was very tempted to go for him versus Justin Cap- Credible in the first ever WWE ECW. Really? <laughs> yeah, just just so I had I'd have a short match. <laughs> oh, God. No, I think I think I think Angle deserves our time. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say what we just did is the, the ramble we normally do off of recording before we stopped recording. <laughs> right. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> uh, that pretty much sums up our uh, wrestling classic. So next week, the Angle retrospective. You've got Kurt Angle versus Brock Lesnar from WrestleMania 19, Kurt Angle versus Samoa Joe from Final Resolution 2007, and finally Yuji Nagata versus Kurt Angle from Global Impact slash Wrestle Kingdom. Thank you so much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. You can find the podcast on any podcast platform, wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Twitter at Podmania, Facebook at Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast. You can find us on YouTube and Instagram at Real Podmania. Check out the website www.podmania.co.uk where you can find fantastic lists from me and you can find some subpar lists from Chris. Um, ooh. Ooh. No, in all seriousness, this Juice and Thunder Liger list is up. Go and check it out. It is extremely insightful please go and check it out it's very good i went for the many moods of like you did uh the fact that you included the ass match has not gone down well but never mind has it has it not i haven't actually read the response <laughs> um chris where can they find you on twitter i don't want to say because you'll bully me well change your fucking twitter I d- handle, I've, 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 it's, it's been twice in one night i don't normally get this is why i like it when it's just me and gaff he doesn't bully me <laughs> what is your twitter handle chris it's Candy Chris ninety seven. <laughs> I'm so disappointed. You sound like my dad. Anyway, um, Garth, what's yours, man? At Garth Mania, Garth Mania. See now that decent. That's decent, isn't it? Stupid boy. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back on Monday with our normal podcast before we are back on Thursday with the Wrestling Classic, the Kurt Angle Retrospective. Thank you so much for listening, guys, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. You've been listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Podmania, Facebook, 
at Podmania Podcasts and YouTube and Instagram at Real Podmania. And check out the website podmania.co.uk. Until next time, wrestling fans. Podmania.